0: 142 of the Sources Say Podcast Your go-to Kentucky basketball And recruiting podcast On the growing KSR Podcast Network The Sources Say Podcast Is presented by Our good friends At Justice Dental You can make an appointment At one of two Lexington locations On Wellington Way And Blazer Parkway Now is a great time To schedule your Dental cleaning Remember that Regular dental appointments Are important for Your overall health You can learn more And make an appointment At JusticeDental.com. Dr. Justice And Dr. Thompson and Look forward to seeing you soon I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country Sean, how the heck are you?
1: I'm fantastic, Jack, how
0: are you? Oh, well, I uh, I have been quite better I uh, am not feeling very well And I'm starting to think uh, the worst case scenario uh, is here I have, you know, flu-ish symptoms and I don't know if you guys heard the show yesterday. It was th- the symptoms were starting to uh, pop up then, and they have only uh, managed to get worse over the last 24 hours or so. So uh, we are fighting through, and we're you know we promised four four shows in a row in four days, and we're going to continue to bring you that content, even if I'm feeling like I'm on my deathbed. But that's all right. Fans, fans need what they need and we're going to make uh, this work So I'm a little like foggy headed, a little just not all there So if I say something stupid or uh, uh, don't come across as the as an intellectual I promise you, um, it's normal I guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, well I'm, uh, I'm sitting here watching highlights from the game last night Because I didn't get to watch the first half uh, because we started our district tournament and the part I'm on right now is it's 25 to 12 Texas A&M. And I did not know it was this bad. So my goodness, I'm glad I didn't go back and watch it.
0: Yep, yeah, it, it extended to as many as 13 points, uh, when, uh, uh Texas A&M led 29, 16. Yeah. It, it, there was a lot to just not love about the performance at all. And, uh, Kentucky still found a way to win a rock fight. And we kind of mentioned that on yesterday's show, wanting to see what this team can do uh, in a defensive kind of juggernaut fight, a, a rock fight, because we haven't had to see that this season. Every win Kentucky has had, all 14 of them have been by double figures. So uh, it was the the first real rock fight test that we've had to see this team take, and uh, they, they certainly – Did that, Um, wasn't pretty, wasn't even slightly good looking It was just, it was kind of ugly from start to finish But Kentucky still found a way to come out on top 64-58 to But Sean, uh, before we kind of get into the X's and O's and nitty gritty of that There's some breaking news that we need to address And that uh, fans are certainly going crazy over on social media And that is Sean, Shaden Sharp as we all kind of worried about from the start, has been declared eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. Jonathan Gavone uh, broke the news on Thursday uh, early afternoon, said that he had gotten enough uh, sufficient credits to graduate prior to the start of the NBA season in October, which uh, would then make him eligible for the draft. Uh, He's going to be turning 19 in May, so he meets the age requirement as well. So, Sean – there's a chance that Shaden Sharp leaves this spring. So uh, let's get your initial thoughts on that possibility and kind of what it means for this program this season and I guess uh, constructing a roster for uh, 2022-23 as well.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just made it one of those kind of weird situations with with fans and and around Shaden. And obviously there's going to be a ton of speculation whether – if he doesn't get in between now and let's say early February, people are going to start thinking, well, could this be a, you know, a no play and go like, you know, the homie situation a few years ago, but homie ended up coming back. I think it's just created kind of just a weird dynamic around it. And, and I think a lot of this kind of probably has already been out there that uh, most probably thought that when it all come down to it, that he would be eligible to actually enter the draft and be removed from uh, a year removed from the the current NBA season, uh, I don't know. I, I, I hope that we see Shaden this year. Honestly, I really do. I, I hope that we see Shaden in a Kentucky jersey plan, but I don't know. Uh, how, how do you feel on it, though? I know this has been a situation you've been you've been plugged into for a while, and I, I, did this news surprise you today, or is it something that you've kind of been waiting to break?
0: Uh, no, it, is, it does not surprise me at all In fact, I was a little um, caught off guard When actually Jonathan Gavoni was the first person to put out uh, After Shaden in November When he announced that he was going to uh, enroll early Jonathan Gavoni put out there and said No, he will not be eligible for the 2022 NBA draft He does not have the credits necessary for it When I had heard behind the scenes that he had um, i had heard that that was part of the push uh, going back to last spring last summer uh, and then going into the fall that part of the push for him there was talk that he was going to reclassify and just be a member of the 2021 class entirely uh, back w- bef- you know last summer before the season even begun so um, i was a little caught off guard that they were so adamant that he would not be eligible because he didn't meet that Draft criteria because I had heard uh, that part of the reason why he just abruptly stopped playing this summer and, and going into the early fall was because there was some some talk about the possibility of uh, of him having the credits necessary. It the, the other schools in, in on his schedule noticed that he uh, was not necessarily a, maybe even the word was that he was a fifth year in. Uh, in high school and that would make him ineligible for the Geico Nationals this spring and uh, so that they didn't want the number one player in the country who uh, shouldn't be playing with normal high schoolers to be playing because he had already graduated for or fulfilled his graduate uh, graduate requirements so that was kind of the behind the scenes so I don't know if he was officially a fifth year senior or whatever the case was but there was talk dating back to last spring That he was going to be eligible And qualify in terms of credits And that 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 he was already age-wise ready to go uh, Because he was going to be turning 19 in May So that was kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff So when Gavoni broke that news I was like, uh, I hadn't heard that But, you know, if you want to put that out there and, you know, make, you know, no skin off of my back. I'm certainly going to love the idea of having him come back in 2023, but I I think I've mentioned that on this podcast, that there was still a little slight bit of hesitancy that I just wasn't 100% confident with the whole situation. Uh, And that's been part of my push for wanting to get him to play. I mean, there's no reason now, especially that you do not put him out there because then you very, very much risk the possibility of him leaving, uh, this uh, this spring this draft class Sean and I, I, that's where I want to ask you uh, I just I just don't envision a scenario where where he does not play at this point this season to risk the possibility of him being a none and done I just think uh, even if it it hurts the uh, you know potentially hurts his draft stock or whatever that is I think there's going to be a strong push on Cal's and to want to put him in the game and. Uh, Talking to his camp, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be okay with if if Cal wanted him to play, that he was going to play, uh, you know, regardless of his draft status or draft stock or anything like that. So today's news 100% solidifies that I think that he's going to play at some point this season. Uh, and I think now that this this is out there, I think it's sooner rather than later, Sean.
1: Yeah, it's created quite an interesting dynamic. You know, with Sean Calipari and a decision In a situation that he has to handle And and I, I'm of that belief too I think that we do see Shaden This season, I know this is a tough stretch of games Coming up with Auburn, Kansas I mean, gosh, that's that's asking a lot to break a guy in During that stretch of play But I think sometime after that In February, you, you're going to see Shaden Sharp in in some role
0: Yeah, now the Big question right now Is if Shaden leaves What happens to Kentucky's 2022 recruiting class Because he was the anchor of that And when he announced that he was going to enroll early It was all fine and dandy Because it was, wow, you're getting your best player in that class To come in early Uh, He's going to get used to the strength and conditioning program Learn the pace and the speed of college basketball I I mean, he's going to be six months ahead of everybody else in his class as the number one player in the country So uh, everybody viewed it as a can't lose scenario for Kentucky The only way that it could be a losing scenario Is if this exact thing unfolded And, and it has And uh, I there, I, I don't There's some kind of uh, put, Putting out optimism Blind optimism out there Like oh there's no reason to panic Everything's fine uh, Like I, I do want there to be some semblance of Of Urgency for this fan base because There is a very real possibility That we do not ever see Shaden Sharp Play uh, in a Kentucky uniform And I think uh, that's something That I, that fans need to kind of Start preparing themselves For if we start, I think Jonathan Gavoni put out there These next couple games are going to be important for him Because if we start getting in the next couple Weeks, a month or so uh, He's not going to just be coming in the last Three games of the regular season then come in SEC tournament it's kind of a now or never type deal um, so that's something that I think fans should start preparing for is just understanding that we are now now that he is declared eligible and this was always a concern for me but now that it's officially out there that there is a a very real possibility that he does and that he that he will be able to and I think the wording said something like um that he still has to petition to the NBA So talking behind the scenes There they was basically at Hoop Hall Classic This past weekend It was basically a uh, He will have to petition to the NBA uh, That basically I had enough credits beforehand And if I had dropped out of high school yeah, Maybe I didn't graduate officially Get my my graduate documents until December But I had enough gr- uh, credits to do that And if I had dropped out of school Six months earlier then I would have I would have been eligible, and then that would be his argument to the NBA is so. Are you preferring that I drop out of school because I could have done that and I would have been uh, eligible fine, but I decided to stay the rest of the. the Stay the rest of the way And then graduate the proper way So that's his argument with the NBA And it's a valid one And And uh, there will still be a petition So it's not 100% official But Sean, it's about 99.5% official And I, I, th- I definitely think now We need to start worrying about What uh, 2022 holds What Kentucky does to replace him and, uh, as the anchor of that recruiting class Do you push for a reclass Do you hit the transfer portal even harder uh, You're this late in the process And you're not going to add a guy of Shaden Sharp's Caliber this late in the game So uh, I do think that Kentucky has A very tricky situation on their hand Maybe Shaden surprises everybody And comes back uh, But that's not something that I'm going to Put out there and paint it as sunshine And, r- sunshine and rainbows and then let Fans get uh, hurt in this summer When he ultimately decides to go
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And uh, if if he plays, I mean, I sure hope that we see him in a Kentucky jersey here pretty soon. And just in case he does leave, you know, you want to you want to get something out of this, this experience. And if he can help this team win this year and then go to the league, then uh, you at least get something out of that in early enrollment. Uh, But, yeah, they'll have options with it'll probably be. I'm assuming transfer portal, the way the college basketball world is today, this late into the process. I mean, we're into almost February. Uh, I don't know about a reclass, but I could see them hitting the portal if they if they do lose shade. But a, lot, a lot's got to play out over the next couple of months. It's going to be an on-the-edge-of-your-seat situation, though.
0: Yeah, and I, I will put this out here uh We're going to do a recruiting specific podcast here uh, very shortly To break down everything we heard at Hoop Hall But I will put a bug in everybody's ear And there is reclass talk with Mookie Cook Who UK is in a very, very strong position with In the class of 2023, teammate of Ty Ty Washington Uh, I talked to his coach extensively have a great relationship with him Um, Very, very high on Kentucky But he's a native of Oregon Uh, They're recruiting one of his best friends Um they are wanting to go all in on him the ducks are wanting to go all in all in on him so it's going to be a battle between the ducks and the wildcats and the reclass buzz before the Shaden news was that if he was going to reclass at 22, then it would be Oregon because there would be no spot for Mookie in this. I mean, when you already have Sky, in Chris Livingston, and Shaden signed for next season, where do you add another 6'7", 200-pound wing? But if Shaden decides to leave early then uh, I think that becomes a very real possibility for Kentucky as well, and then it becomes a uh, an Oregon and Kentucky battle for the class of 2022 for Mookie Cook. I think that's something that fans could uh, keep an eye on. I was told that if he stays in 23, it's going to end up being Kentucky. If he reclasses to 22, it's going to be Oregon with the pro route uh, being a possibility if he decides to reclass uh, at, the, at the end of the day. Um, uh, but I, I do think that he's preferring the college options right now, and I think He would prefer to be at Kentucky But I I do think he realizes that if he wants To expedite the process that Oregon would be The best spot for him until the shade News dropped I think that will be something that Kentucky will be able to work in their favor For sure moving forward so uh, That's enough of that talk We will see what happens there Uh, Just very significant news For the future of Kentucky basketball Recruiting let's hope that he sticks around for Another season but um, Color me skeptical Sean Let's uh Transition into the game Itself again Kentucky Finally finds a way to win A rock fight on the road Uh, They first fell uh, on a neutral Floor against Duke in a similar game Single digit deficit then they Fell uh, at Notre Dame single Digit deficit same thing at Baton Rouge against LSU Single digit deficit They finally got a single digit deficit Win after every game this Season uh, that they had won Had been by double figures so Sean, just how good does it feel watching this that they were able to turn a 13-point deficit into a close victory on the road in a, an unbelievably hostile environment? Well, they've, they've now won games
1: in different ways, and I think that's the biggest thing. And back-to-back, and they blew Tennessee out on Saturday. We talked about that one, one of the most impressive performances. And honestly, they, they follow it with a huge win against Texas A&M on the road in an ugly win. I was more impressed with the second one against Texas A&M more so than I was the one against Tennessee because it's hard to win games that way. Great teams have to find a way to grind one out, especially in that NCAA tournament format. Uh, You're always going to have that one game uh, where things maybe aren't going your way and you've got to grind out a possession-by-possession game, and Kentucky found a way to do that. They clawed out in a tough road environment and uh, came up big. Davion Metz, Jacob Toppin were huge. Uh, sitting here watching highlights, of the play out of the timeout. I believe there's about six minutes left in the game where Grady gets downhill off the dribble handoff and hits M- Metz for that open three. Kentucky took control of the game in that moment and never, never looked back.
0: Yeah, just uh, going down the list of individual standouts. You have, oddly enough, maybe the worst. Uh, You know, worst thing, play, I don't want to say worst player on the floor, but the worst performance uh, was Xavier Wheeler uh, with his eight turnovers, had some just very, very poor decisions uh, m- several times. Cal took kind of ownership a couple times um, about, you, you know, h- I didn't use him properly and, and I, I should have known better. I-, I needed to put him in better positions, things like that. But he still ended up leading the team and scoring 12 points, 5 of 8. Uh, Shooting and then he had uh, two of two From the the three point line He was kind of brilliant in terms Of scoring you know slicing through Defenders had some beautiful finishes at the rim And most importantly he was making The shots that counted uh, On the perimeter but as a Playmaker and as a facilitator just Not good at all so Sean just kind of how ironic is it that maybe the uh, worst player on the floor was also maybe the best scorer on the floor for Kentucky? Just a very odd performance overall for for the Cats.
1: Yeah, just a, a weird game, right? He's two of two from three. He he made some plays at the rim. They they were blitzing those ball screens and and running some doubles at him and just making him uncomfortable. They they saw something on film that that led to them attacking Kentucky that way, and I. I think you might could see teams continue to do that to Kentucky some, especially to Sabir as as undersized as he is with a lack of length. Uh, You got to keep him from getting downhill. And and Texas A&M did an excellent job mixing it up and confusing him. And that's where Kentucky's depth comes into play though. Like you, you take, they took Sabir off the floor there in the second half for a point and uh, went with Mints and Kentucky kind of settles itself in and then Sabir goes back in and, and helps them make plays and win the game. That. That's where uh, that production of Tata Washington over the stretch of play where Sabir was out and Davion Mintz, I think that that paid off huge for Kentucky last night on the road is because those guys came up big for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, Davion Mintz, dude. I mean, I, it's, it is it is so refreshing to have everything that he kind of wanted when he decided to come back for another year at Kentucky. Uh, he went through his rough patch. You know, He started the year okay. Got sick, and then coming back, I mean, there was a four- or five-game stretch where he just was not playing well. Couldn't get a shot to fall to save his life. Uh, And then he's finally, slowly started to find his groove. And, and Sean, just lately, just his ability to be a a warrior – I mean, shoot, he finished two of seven shooting and then one one of five from three. But if you watch the game, ten points, eight rebounds, three assists. uh, I mean, he was just – diving for loose balls, doing all the dirty work, getting really tough rebounds. He did so many good things for that team and was just a warrior. I mean, he hit that big shot in the corner. Cal talked about it in his post-game press conference, uh, hyped that up and, and said that that is his value. He, he may go two of seven and one of five from the three-point line, but he's going to make the shots that count. And it's just so refreshing to have him live up to this expectation and this hype that we really – desperately needed him to be as that six-man type player I mean it's it's just awesome seeing how he's been able to adjust overcome the early adversity and, and really make a a phenomenal impact here going into the S, the the bulk of SEC play and my my expectations for him are sky high to close out the season yeah
1: absolutely and Kentucky's got Two key role guys off that bench, and and Mints and Topping at, at two different positions and versatile guys. A guy in Mints that that can defend well. He, he shoots the ball well. He can get hot and get in rhythm. And then you got Jacob Topping who can go in and, and create some high energy plays for you. He can he can throw down a dunk? He can guard one through four. Uh, that that's a big thing to have on your bench at six and seven. And I know. Probably after that game last night, you have a lot of people that's probably going to say that Toppin should start the next game, especially if he's going to be guarding Jabari Smith of, of Auburn on Saturday. But I think that you should just keep it as is. And, and the biggest thing for me is how do the minutes play out at the end of the game? If, if Toppin's the best player in that game, is he playing the most minutes? If Keon's the best player in that game and he's playing the most minutes, it works itself out. As long as whoever's the best, the best guy is, is playing the majority of minutes, then it's okay. Regardless of who starts or finishes.
0: Well, that's exactly how last night unfolded. Keon Brooks, 17 minutes, Jacob Toppin, 23 minutes. Uh, I I think what Jacob was able to do in the second half. uh, I know Cal when, when he brought up difference makers, he said that Davion was that guy and he was, but man, what a spark Jacob Toppin is to this team. And, and, the consistency he's starting to, to find, and he's just—you could tell that he's he's finally gotten his rhythm. Uh, he's not a, a dynamic scoring threat. He's not going to be able to knock down big shots for you. But goodness gracious, his effort, and his intensity, and, and his athleticism and his explosiveness to make plays when when Kentucky desperately needs them. I mean, he just did that time and time again last night for the Cats. And uh, that is—I mean—defensive versatility. That's going to be the name of the game against Auburn. And we're going to really dive into a lot of that tomorrow in our our uh, pre-Auburn show, uh, breaking down that uh, another difficult road matchup for the Wildcats. But Jacob Toppin, in terms of a defensive stopper, he's a guy that can guard one through five, uh, guard on the perimeter, guarding you know team's best you know fastest quickest point guard, or he can guard a center uh, you know big stout center if need be. He is just that Mr. Do It All on the defensive end, and he's going to give you highlight energy plays. Uh, on offense as well. So uh, just really can't even just praise him enough for how he's really started to find his rhythm and uh, the difference he's made on this team. 9.6 rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal in 23 minutes. I mean, it's it's hard to ask for anything more out of your, what amounts to your seventh man on the on the roster.
1: Yeah, that's he's been huge and his energy changes the game for Kentucky and the things that he can do, Jacob Toppin that is. And and Davion Mintz is just being so steady for the last four to five games. You, you get those things working with everything else Kentucky does well. Like I said, they, they grinded out that win last night. That would have been – that's an easy game to lose. A lot of teams in college basketball go to Reed Arena last night and lose. And Kentucky found a way to win. And it's a win that's a quad one for Kentucky, who's now above 500 in that category. And it keeps you at pace at the top of the league. You go into – to auburn saturday with the chance to take control of the sec regular season title and it's a massive win it's it's a win that it's not going to excite a lot of people on a national level but when you look up in march it's one of those wins that it'll help you a ton It, it keeps you on pace for what you want to do and then it just keeps the momentum alive for this huge matchup saturday at auburn
0: yeah and before we kind of slowly start to wrap this thing up there was a moment in the press conference, Sean. I don't know if you, if you heard or saw this, but uh, Davion and Jacob both had very telling quotes that were very true. Something that all of us have thought, um, all many of us have said. Uh, but it was really revealing that that those two players, in particular, more so than anybody else on the roster, were they were willing to say that they said that. Last year's team, they said no disrespect To last year's team and the players that were there They have utmost respect for those guys They said last year's roster just Didn't have the pieces That it took to close out a game like this And I think it's it was Pretty clear uh, time and time again Kentucky just kept losing by one To three points In difficult environments and and uh, you know high-profile matchups, it just felt like Kentucky just kept losing that same game over and over again all year long. And this was the first time that we've really gotten a revealing con- comment uh, of that nature that that kind of expressed what we all thought at the at, at the time. But for them to say it and acknowledge that yeah, we have those pieces this year and last year we didn't. Sean, I, I thought it was just really telling that they were as as vulnerable and open about that, uh, about kind of what we were all thinking all along.
1: Yeah, I, I caught that too last night and, and it wasn't disrespect or anything. It was true. It's a true statement. They they have guys this year that have been through been through it all. They're they're tough. They they understand what it takes to win. And you can say that those two guys are in that mold themselves. They, they went through it a year ago. And uh, Jacob Toppin, they know all those games that slipped away a year ago. But that Kentucky wasn't mentally and physically tough enough to find ways to win. Well, last night was a, the definition of mental toughness and physical toughness because Texas A&M entered the day as Lenardi's first team out. And sure, mid-January, that's probably not a big deal. But when you're Texas A&M and you only get one opportunity against Kentucky, it's a huge deal and that was a desperate team last night. Uh the team that entered 15 and 2 and undefeated in the league looking to prove itself. Uh they didn't shoot the ball well from three point line. They were 1 of 22 but still had a chance to win the game and Kentucky found a way to survive and that's what made the win so impressive to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, just that environment you you throw out the entire first half and and good thing you didn't even get get to watch it live, Sean, because it was a nightmare and a half ugly as can be. Kentucky couldn't make a shot. They, uh, you know, couldn't defend the shots. They were turning the ball over. They just making uncharacteristic mistake after uncharacteristic mistake. And, uh, and they were very lucky to be, be uh, down only by five to close out the first half. And, and they, I think they, their ability to flip that momentum late, that final two-minute stretch where they were able to cut that deficit down from 13 to 5 was really the difference maker in that game. They, they went into that half, and Cal said after the game, and I think some of the, the, the players said it as well, that they went into that half saying, look, anything that could – you know, Murphy's Law, anything that could have gone, gone wrong did go wrong. We're down. It was ugly. Let's just throw that aside. It's only a five-point game. We can play with these dudes clearly. We can beat these dudes clearly. Let's go into this second half – and fix all of those past mistakes. Uh, they tied – I believe they tied it within the first minute and a half, I think minute 26 it was. They tied it up, and then it was a brand-new ball game. You The entire second half was a brand-new game. Kentucky clawed it out, and, and they, they got the much-needed win. This was a – it was really telling that they were able to win the whiteout, the sold-out crowd – it was – I mean, you could tell from at the start of the game that they were very clearly rattled. Ty Ty Washington was rattled. Xavier Wheeler was rattled. The entire team was just not locked in. They were not engaged. But they still overcame those adversities. It would have been so easy to let go of that rope, as Cal says, over and over again. He, they could have let go of that rope and lost that game by 20 points. But they hung in Whoa. there and they, they they fought, and that's pretty darn telling.
1: Well, we, we watched them lose that exact same game at Notre Dame, right? Exactly. That where it was, it was an ugly game. Uh, Things weren't going well for you. And then obviously LSU, they, they lost the same type of game. And then you have to throw in that they were without their two guards, but they've been in those situations in recent weeks and, and they found a way to fight and survive. And that's, that's the defining win that I think that you needed to know that this team is good enough to make a run in the postseason. It, it wasn't pretty, and they still found a way to win. Great teams win games like that once or twice throughout the regular season, and, and that's a that's a really encouraging sign for Kentucky.
0: Well, let me ask you, was it more impressive to beat the absolute tar out of, uh, out of Tennessee shooting 70% from the field, or was it more – more impressive to win on the road by six, by only shooting 36% from the field and 22% from three.
1: I take the game at Texas A&M. They're they're both impressive in their own right. But the one at Texas A&M is to me, the one that I I think it answered a lot more about this team than the win against Tennessee did. Uh, We know that this team can get hot and we know that playing at Rupp Arena, that teams can feed off of that energy but to have that performance on Saturday, one where you're feeling really good about yourself. Everybody's talking about you. You climb six spots in the AP poll. You're in the top four of Ken Palm. Your adjusted, off, adjusted offensive efficiency numbers are climbing. You're feeling great, right? Well, then you go to Texas A&M. They're up 13 on you in the first half. You have 12 points, like 14, 15 minutes into the game. Things aren't going great. Savir's so turning it over eight times and you find a way to win it would have been easy for them to say oh, "Man, we played so well at tennessee i guess tennessee the other day we, we, we got that win we can lose one here maybe go get one saturday at auburn but no they, they they dug in they found a way to win that's what made it the most impressive to me and you saw the celebration after the game was over that was a hard fought everybody had to be on holding the rope win for kentucky and that's what made it big
0: yeah and uh they were rewarded in the Kempom. You go back and you look at the updated rankings. Kentucky is number three in the country uh, with a number four ad- adjusted offense. And then we talked about that sweet spot for the defense up to number 19. They they uh, they both they have the uh, the combined top 20 for both, Sean, exactly. What we said the last couple shows about needing to get in that uh, that consistent final four mode and in, in the, the past schools that have done that they finally have that that recipe of, of elite offense and elite de- defense. I think that's one of seven schools in America that are, that's top 20 in both. So, Sean, it's a, that's the making of an elite team.
1: It is, and they. I, I told you that I thought as the season would go along that they would eventually settle into that top 20 in defensive efficiency. I didn't think that they would climb eight spots in one game, but then I did say yesterday, I'm pretty sure I said it, but that was the game that Kentucky could hold to 60 or less, and they they held to 58. And I still was expecting Kentucky to be efficient offensively, but they found a way to win, right? Kellen Grady not shooting the ball well. Uh, Sabir turned the ball over and all those things going against you. Oscar not scoring the ball like he had in recent games. They found a way to win. They lose that game in November and early December. They, they win those games now, and, and that's the tell – of a really good basketball team That's going to have a lot of big games coming up that's, And I'm just glad that it keeps the stage alive For a huge game at Auburn on Saturday Had Kentucky lost that It takes some of the the momentum off of it I mean, then you're talking Kentucky loses at Auburn They're three games out of first place Now, first place in the league is online Saturday
0: Yeah, that's what Bruce Pearl said today In his press conference He said, the winner of Saturday's matchup it controls its own destiny moving forward to, to close out the season. They, whoever comes out on top will decide uh, who wins the regular season SEC crown, and that's a, a very substantial thing at this point in the season. I mean, we still have, what, 13, 14 regular season season games to go, uh, so a lot can happen, but to be able to control your own des- destiny moving forward uh, is, is one heck of a thing, and it's definitely something that – Sparks a whole, whole lot of optimism moving forward And uh, uh, man, I'm, I'm counting down the hours to this game, Sean It's it's going to be a, a one heck of a game And I'm very excited to break down the X's and O's And uh, the individual standouts And things you guys need to know about the Tigers On tomorrow's episode
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too uh, I'm, I'm excited that I'm getting to watch it Saturday morning We advanced in our district tournament last night So we play Saturday night at 8 So I'm going to have a shoot-around early Saturday morning and then uh drive the mile to my house and uh watch a huge game a a game that if Kentucky wins it you're looking up and you're feeling really good about being on that two seed line in late January
0: yep it's uh it's most certainly beautiful and we're definitely excited to talk about it so Sean let's uh let's wrap up and get out of here so we can start prepping for tomorrow's show let's uh Get one last note from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite. Former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money, daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can uh, have picks across sports as well. The NFL playoffs are here. Add in some of those players to your picks, and uh, with their over- under-projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards, download the PrizePix app or visit prizepix.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM, that's P-I-L, G-R-I-M, to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget, that's the Price Picks app or PrizePicks.com and use promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky Stars to the next level. Sean, let's get out of here and start preparing for tomorrow. Where can fans find your work?
1: You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry.
0: You can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Sorry that I sound like death. I am trying to get better, and uh, I'll, I'll get a lot of sleep tonight and uh, try to be as fresh as a daisy in the morning, Sean. We're going to have another uh, good show to preview the Auburn Tigers. So uh, be on the lookout for that. You're listening to the Sources Say podcast. We will see. <laughs>